Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here, and it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at hellofresh.com. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with Plush Care. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at PlushCare.com slash weight loss. That's PlushCare.com slash weight loss. PlushCare.com slash weight loss. A rut comes when we're slightly on autopilot and it comes when we're maybe repeating things without being fully connected to them and without being fully conscious and we're just putting one foot in front of the other and it can feel a bit like drudgery and of course it's different for different people but usually if people look at what's going on for them they'll find that in some way they are stuck in a process of repeating actions that either they don't like doing and they're just not prepared to take on and do something about or they just become completely disconnected from why they do those actions. Hello and welcome to the Not Perfect podcast. My name is Poppy Jamie, a recovering perfectionist and the founder of award-winning mindfulness app Happy Not Perfect. Like the app, this show is about hitting pause and taking time to look after our mind and soul. In this series, I explore how we can make life better in 2020. How can we reduce stress, enjoy life, bounce back from setbacks, and get in flow? My guests will be sharing their expert advice, and I hope you join me on the journey. Our theme music is courtesy of Mindstream. Visit mindstream.com to learn more about how their music and environments help you sleep, relax, focus, and move or find their music on any streaming platform. Let's crack on with the show. After many messages from you all about how much you enjoyed the episode with mindset and life performance coach, Polly Bateman, she's back with more wisdom. And in this episode, we dive into a topic many of you have written in to ask about. How do you get out of a rut and manifest your greatness. I can't wait to dive into this one. Polly, what's a quote you've enjoyed recently? I love this one. The singer's biggest problem in communication is the illusion that it has taken place by George Bernard Shaw. Can we dive into that? What kind of, what does that really like touch upon in your eyes? For me, it touches on the fact that we sometimes think we're being clear or we think we've been heard 
or we are, you know, we're always coming from through our own filters. We're always functioning from where that's it, you know, from, from what we know we mean, what we know we want to say. So it's always our version of events or our version of what we are saying that we are saying. And of course, the other person is listening through all their stuff, through what they have going on in the world, through their experiences, through what they think they're hearing. Everything is framed through our versions of ourselves and through our stories and through our experiences and the stories we have about ourselves. It is just such a great quote and such a good point because there's so much unnecessary frustration that comes from, but I said that, but I said that. And, and then you're kind of annoyed. Yeah. Like why they clearly haven't heard, but we forget that we are just interpreting the world through completely different lenses from everybody around us. Totally. I I had this experience recently with a a great friend and I had been suggesting for a long time that he was facilitating and enabling something. And then someone else told him, (laughs) he told me what they said. You know, I smiled. I'm evolved enough now to get it that there was a close listening in some senses to me because we were close friends and it took an outsider to say it for him to really hear it. But those are the things that can truly um, drive us insane, you know, or or in fact, what happens in normal communication, these things actually upset us because we we then take it personally. We collapse it with our value as a human or the contribution that we want to be to somebody else. And then, you know, it can create a really sticky situation for us. So just remember when somebody does something like that, it's actually not about you, why they are doing that. You know, if that's the message, it's all very well painting the problem for everybody and laying that out but it's like hang on what do I do about that just remember people are listening through their own filters through their own stories and sometimes they already have a version of you that they have decided so they already think they know what you're saying what's the life lesson you've been reminded of (laughs) so I would say that one actually because that's happened very recently the other thing I would say is that when somebody else is struggling uh, even when it looks personal this has been a, a big life lesson recently, both with a friend and with a, a, a colleague lately. They leveled some points at me that really confused me because they didn't sit with what I knew about myself or they didn't sit with what was going on in the situation that they were commenting on. And both of them afterwards, when they'd had some time to let it set, because they're quite evolved human beings themselves, both of them had realized that they were talking about themselves, not me. In the moment, I knew they were talking about themselves. But it doesn't stop stuff landing, you know, so sometimes people will say things like, you're not listening to me, you know, and those highly frustrated moments where people will level accusations or blame or points at each other. It's usually yourself. Well, it's your, always yourself you're talking about. So it's great when people are doing things that confuse us to remember that. You, you said actually quite a delicate point. It lands still. So it can still be hurtful when even though they're kind of completely projecting, it's sometimes in that moment really difficult to have that evolved awareness to go, okay, this is about you, not about me. So it's, I have to say, very reassuring to like have that live lesson be kind of shared with all of us. Yeah. And don't forget, you know, when it lands, you know, if it, if it gets you for a moment, that's okay. It's because you're human. Don't feel bad because it landed. And even if you kind of know that it's not making sense, um, you know, it landed for me a little bit. And I, I, when I say landed, 
I can mean that in several ways. Sometimes I can mean it in how I understand something like, oh, I finally landed the point. I got it. You know, for myself, you can land things with other people, but also sometimes other people's stuff can land on you. And for a moment, you can feel uncomfortable. Um, that's okay. Just take a moment to acknowledge it and be with it. So you have taught me so many rituals to kind of fit into my day, um, to optimize my performance. What are some of the rituals or what's one ritual in particular that has been a non-negotiable for you recently and has had seriously impactful results? Great question, because there's one that's really pertinent for me at the moment. And that is that without fail now, every single morning, I'm up in time to write out 10 things I'm grateful for. And it's become a really lovely exercise where I just quickly sit and I think, you know, what is it? Sometimes it can be the cat, it can be the way my breakfast just, you know, rolled along that morning or whatever it was. It doesn't have to be complicated. It doesn't have to be, you know, deep and meaningful, although, you know, it's great to be like that it can just be you know I really love the fact that my earphones are so comfortable just get grateful for 10 things nice and quickly because it raises your vibe for the day and I immediately followed that with whatever my uh, focus and intention is for life in the moment so I have a pretty big intention as you know but um, you know it can just be that that I'm really going to nail this job at the moment or something like that. So write that out as well, because you are, you are creating your day as you wish it to go right at the beginning. It's so powerful. And you um, recommended I started uh, doing this and, the, and I've always been kind of into gratitude, but actually really forcing yourself to write the 10 things, it just kind of stretches you a bit more and also takes you out of kind of going into autopilot being like, I'm grateful for, well, I'm always grateful for my mom and I'm always grateful, you know, for this, whatever. So 10 is actually, it does stretch you because when you get to seven, you're like, oh, um, okay. Uh, and that's, and so it's been a really, really great number. It's been a really, really great tip. Okay. So on to today's topic, getting unstuck. This is something that I can relate with so much, uh, but we all have these moments where things feel sticky. And I think this time of year can often kind of bring even more stickiness because if anyone's like me, you kind of wake up and you go, oh my God, like this many months have gone by, like how's that happened? And why have I not done this? And you know, you can kind of get into that self-critique mode, which is never helpful. Um, but whether it's a rut socially or a rut in a relationship, a rut in work, why do we get into ruts and how do you address this with your clients? Meaty question, Poppy. <laughs> so what's great about that question is I think it will be very pertinent at the moment because we've all got that back to school feeling in September. And of course, this is also a little bit new and different, given that in normal circumstances, we sort of come to the end of the summer holidays, and then it's how we pick ourselves up and move forward. I think laying over everybody at the moment is sort of coping with COVID as well, and the waves that it's impacting different people. So, you know, as we see here in the UK, it's definitely potentially building back up again, and we've gone back to limited numbers of socialising groups. And sometimes people are like, oh, really? You know, I just thought we were getting to the point where we we could get back to some sort of normality. And I think a rut comes when we're slightly on autopilot. 
And it comes when we're maybe repeating things without being fully connected to them and without being fully conscious. And we're just putting one foot in front of the other and it can feel a bit like drudgery. Ruts can come also when we get super disconnected from what it is that really drives us. And it's keeping that present. And so, you know, something, one of the practices that I take on is being super clear about why I even get out of bed. And as you know about me, Poppy, you know, I, I am driven by setting people free and I'm driven by empowering people. And by keeping that at the forefront, what I can do is I can check in with what I'm doing and see, does that create that? You know, is that connected to it? I think that that's definitely what happens when we get stuck in a rut. And of course, it's different for different people. It can be the monotony of their day job. But usually if people, if people look at what's going on for them, they'll find that in some way they are stuck in a process of repeating actions that either they don't like doing and they're just not prepared to take on and do something about, or they've just become completely disconnected from why they do those actions. So that's how I think we get to a rut. Um, how do I address it with my clients? So often when I'm first unpacking with a client, you know, they're unpacking their life and, and what it is they want to work on. And, and I have a mixture, you know, I have people who have got pain points that need to be addressed, but I also have people who recognize that taking on coaching is about advancing your performance in life. It's about having somebody sit outside of you and objectively view what you're up to. What happens in that latter group is what happens for both groups, because when you're stood back and I'm not involved in their life, I'm not enrolled in their stories. And therefore, it's about having somebody, if you want to do this without a coach, you know, your friends are often people who will be enrolled in you and your life. They have a stake in it to some extent, because that's why you're friends. You get along, you agree on the same things, you know, you like the same stuff. And I learned recently uh, at a lecture that it takes three kinds of people to really stimulate a human. And that is that we need a challenger in our life, not someone who is challenging, so don't collapse it with that, but someone who challenges us. The way I do my clients, the way, you know, like when you and I have a really great conversation and we say, well, you know, it could be that someone's written a story and that's why they're doing it. So it's challenging the thinking. We also need a supporter, someone that's got our back, you know, and is there for us, a safe place to land. And then we need a reflector, someone that we can reflect with, someone that we can just be with. And those three are crucial for you having kind of balanced. And if you go too long without one of them, the way the lecturer described it to us is that too long without one of them is a bit like going too long without a vitamin. You become deficient in an area and then the need grows. Or if you think about it like the three legs of a stool, it gets wonky. Life isn't so balanced. <laughs> and it is possible as well. Here's something that's quite exciting. It's possible to have somebody who is all three of those for you and then they become your superfood which is rather lovely. And we marry our superfoods or we go into business with them or we become best friends with them because you get to do all of those with a best friend. And of course, we all love friends. We have those friends that we, we just love hanging out with. And then we have those friends that really push us to be the very best version of ourselves. So what I would say to fully answer that question is, that's where you need to hang out. If you're in a rut, go and talk to somebody who'll be straight and honest with you. Someone who knows you, what you're capable of, and doesn't get enrolled in your kind of smallness. You know, when you want to sit and moan about something, and listen, we all do it. It's not wrong to do that. It just does take you outside of your power. So if I ever have a moan about anything, I have to own it and say, right, right now, I'm just going to have a whinge about something, and then I'm going to stop. 
when I've done, you know, when I finished expressing it or whatever it is I say. What do you mean by stories? Uh, because when you taught me about it, it's actually been probably one of the most life-changing things that you've imparted onto me. But I would just really love to kind of just break that down. But like, what are stories? What do you mean by enrolling in our stories and stuff like that? So when we are growing and we are, you know, we are culturally um, influenced, we are educationally influenced, we are socially influenced, we're influenced by our family as well. So we have all these different influences around us as we are growing up. And our brain is constantly trying to make sense of the world. So what it does is it takes what it thinks is happening and it fits it into what it knows, but we'll write a little story. So it will say things like, oh, if I had different shoes, the girls wouldn't pick on me so much. And there we are writing a story. <laughs> you know, the girls maybe are picking on you because they're just mean, <laughs> you know, and, and people who are mean are mean because they've got stuff going on. So, you know, if you think about how children all desperately want to fit in, and I'm focusing on children, not because this is about them, because it's that we all were once children. And so um, the issue that we have, and this is where I kind of call it dirty human coding in a way, is that your brain isn't even fully formed until you're 25. So your stories by, by default are limiting you because they are a limited view of what is happening. And this is how a lot of adults end up going back sort of as an, you know, in grown up counseling situations or CBT or coaching, you know, very much. And we go back and we redress the situation now from a fuller view, you know, a grown-up view. So one of the stories that I had, unfortunately, because I didn't see my father at all growing up, was that um, he didn't love me. And so I built a story that if he had loved me, and this isn't, you know, I'm super complete about this, I'm super relaxed about it all now, but it was a story I had as a child. And then from that story, you build another version, like, so why doesn't he love me then? Oh God, what does that mean? Am I not a very nice person? And we're desperately trying to make sense of it. And you can build positive stories too. You know, I was having great fun with a a lovely client yesterday and we looked at one of the positive stories and she'd always done really well at school. So academically, she was strong, which meant that then professionally, she kind of had an expectation things would go well. And they did. And this is a powerhouse who set up her own business at 22 and just smashed it out of the ballpark. And, you know, that's because her story was, that this is how it would go. Now we buy into our stories like they are the absolute truth and we see the world through them. So therefore, if somebody ever, uh, when I was younger or a younger woman had said anything to me that kind of reflected what I thought was a version of my self-worth, I was very sensitive to that stuff because there was a part of me that I thought was unlovable. So that stuff used to really land for me because I had a story that I was unlovable because if I was lovable, my my father would have been around. And there's an awful lot of children dealing with this, you know, with more and more marriages breaking up, more and more people, uh, the collateral damage in this. And it's not that they shouldn't and it's not that it can't be done well. I'm not talking about the rights and wrongs of breaking up. I'm just talking about the collateral damage that can happen in so many breakups and in our very, you know, families now are just by default often very dysfunctional. And that word is actually a word we used to use for like, oh my God, they're not a 2.4 married with, you know, stable family. And actually it's just not how families are these days. The the word dysfunctional probably doesn't even fit anymore. It's just the new norm. But a lot of people are struggling. They're building their reason. They're they're impacted by them and they're holding them up like they're real. And then unfortunately we get trapped by those as well. Yeah, because that quote, you know, you accept what you think you deserve 
it kind of speaks to this idea of being trapped in your story. Like, I don't think I'm worthy. And so you end up, you know, choosing romantic partners that maybe don't treat you like as well as they should, or you end up in jobs that doesn't really fulfill you, but you kind of feel that you deserve that sort of job. And when I was thinking about this episode, it really occurred to me that kind of stories and ruts seem to almost kind of go hand in hand. How do you address your, I would guess, like your foundational belief system? How do you address these like fundamental stories? And is it impossible to change them um, if they have been embedded at such a, you know, foundation level? Or how can you change them and rewrite more positive ones? So I'm living proof that you can change the story. I have walked this path myself. So we learn two languages when we're growing up. There is the language that we are speaking, you and I, right now. So whatever our native language is and any other languages we are taught, there is the verbal, conscious, spoken language. And then there is also the behavior and thought patterns around you that you're, you're equally learning. So you're learning the language of behavior. And the two together create how you view the world and how you operate inside of it. So... Yes, you can change that because first of all, on the conscious part, that's a, we, I, I referred to that just now, you get to go back and you get to look at it. And, you know, for example, I heard a great story from a guy whose mum used to get them all up um, in the middle of the, at four o'clock in the morning, she'd get them all up, she'd get them dressed and she'd put them all on the milk truck because she had a milk round and they used to hate her for this absolutely hate her for this and it wasn't till he was an adult and he looked really looked at this through like she dragged us around she made us do this and then as an adult he looked at it through a very different set of eyes and was like god my mother made sure we had food in our bellies and made sure she brought the money in she didn't care what she did my mother was a stand and she protected us she had to take us with us because she didn't want to leave us on our own in the house because we were so little and so you can get to go back and reframe it so the story he had that his mother was hard on him changed like that, you know, when he suddenly saw it from a very different perspective. And the story I had, I mean, I can use myself here, that my father didn't love me. And if he did, he would have come and got me. And why did he never write to me? Or why did you know, I was aware he wasn't paying any maintenance, because you kind of hear things as a child. And, and I made that mean that he didn't love me. Whereas actually, you know, when I, um, when I went through all this stuff myself and made peace, I, I went and found my father. And what I found was somebody who had limited capacity, who was damaged by some stuff that had occurred for him in the past. He was definitely struggling with post-traumatic stress disorder. Um, and I think it had occurred very early on. And I think a lot of life's disappointments had just made him feel very overwhelmed and very inadequate. And then suddenly I realized that he'd done the best he could. Did it fall short? <laughs> yeah. But had he done the best he could? Yeah. So in that moment, I got, you know, and actually this man that was talking to me was super emotional, super tearful, couldn't tell me enough how much he loved me, how long he'd waited for me to be in touch with him. And of course, in that moment, all those stories just dissolved because yeah. I saw a different reality. So that's one way. And then the other way is if you learned through behavior and spoken repetition, then you can relearn through the same. So it's like deciding how it's going to be for you now and repeating, repeating, repeating. And of course, you can't change other people, by the way, just to be sure. You know, if you're in a toxic relationship of any kind, you can't say they're going to be lovely, they're going to be lovely and expect them to be lovely. Mm. But you can change any stories you've got about you. If you mm. think you're a failure, start saying you've learned that somewhere. 
if you've got a negative self-image. So if you start projecting a positive self-image onto yourself and you repeat it like your life depends on it. You know, I have people doing things sometimes that they do, you know, several times a day. They have alerts on their phone. And one of the greatest ones to start with is just, I'm enough. I'm enough. Mm. And one of the things I would just do as a, uh, a helpful tip for people if they want to start retraining their brain to have a positive image, if you think you're a failure or you've got a really poor idea of the impact you could have in the world and who you think you are don't overnight try to turn yourself into a goddess or an adonis or something like that you know and and i don't mean physically i just mean in your head because your brain if you said that would just go yeah right and i'm not really talking about affirmations here because sometimes the disconnect with affirmations is that as we say them we don't really believe them so we say something like, I will be a multimillionaire driving, you know, six houses and driving five cars. And then we go, hmm, not really <laughs> inside. Yeah. But if you start with something really pure, really authentic, like actually, do you know what? I'm enough. I'm enough and I've got this and I can yeah. trust myself. I'm enough. I've got this. I can trust myself. And you just keep saying something as simple and as pure as that again and again and again, you'll start to notice the shift as sure as eggs are eggs. I'm enough. I've got this. I trust myself. That is such a beautiful affirmation. Um, thank you for that. And this kind of brings me on to like the next part that everyone's like dying to know more about, but you really are the queen of creation and I've seen it myself. You've helped me with it. And a lot of people talk about manifestation, but it's something that I still find very lofty and just like kind of like affirmations, as you just explained, also can be a bit lofty what is the trick to kind of getting what you want from life? And, you know, like you've just kind of shared, what sort of kind of practical exercises can we do rather than just participate in wishful thinking? What I want to say is this is a bit of a pathway because you're absolutely right. The shortcut is there is no blue pill and there is no just saying it a few times to yourself and it just happens. That's when it's lofty. And when we have fractures in our past in terms of how we see ourselves. you know we have a fractured self-view or, or self-esteem you have to do the work it takes some work you've got to go back and start to unpick those stories you built about yourself I had the I had it that I was inadequate unlovable and unworthy in some way so what happened was I showed up as a very strong and powerful woman but equally never pushed it too far never took myself to a place where I could be truly tested because deep down I knew that that would, you know, my imposter syndrome said that would fail. I'd be caught out at that point. When I went back and did the work on myself and really saw that I was just a vulnerable little girl and I'd written some stories rather than, you know, when we have that negative self-talk today where we're like, come on, pull yourself together, girl. And you're talking to yourself or then you do something you're like, damn it, you, you asshole, you know, and you, you call yourself a rude name. Well, all of that negative chat has stopped now. And I did used to call myself names sometimes. And it wasn't a horrific thing. It was so incredibly ordinary. I like, you could say to a friend, God, I was such a knob. Can't believe I did that. You know, and you, you chastise yourself in, in sometimes humorously, sometimes, you know, just alone, sometimes quietly with a friend and say, I can't believe I did it. I'm just not enough. I'm so useless. I shouldn't have done that. I shouldn't have said that. You know, we, we really beat ourselves up particularly when we are young adults, because every, we're becoming incredibly self-conscious at that stage as well. But what I found was that when I started to really look at the circumstances with this fully formed brain, and I'd go back and I'd look at that little girl and the story she wrote, 
I started to have real empathy for her. Like I got it. She wasn't naughty and she wasn't useless. She was kind of set up to fail in some situations and she was completely overwhelmed in others. So now I'm able to look at her and go, God bless you. Oh, you know, and have like, oh, the same as I would. And one of the things I always say to my clients is don't say anything to yourself that you wouldn't say to a small child. And if you think of some of the self-chat that we have, like, would you dream of saying that to a small child? And if you did, what do you expect their reaction would be? And there's a kind of smaller version of us. When I say small, I mean little younger version of us still inside all of us. I don't care how old we are. I'm not even particularly talking about inner child work, although this is a big thing and people go and do it. It's, it's kind of, it is inner child work, but without necessarily massively focusing on it. It's using the common sense you've got today, the faculties, the mental faculties you've got of imagination and perception and memory and will you've got and your intuition. You've got such an array of faculties. Use those and have a look and think, was it really that? Was it really the way I'm remembering it? And, and get curious as well. So our identity is formed through all these various experiences and it begins to run us from about eight years old onwards. It's kind of fully in place by that stage. Uh, and there are other experiences that occur as we get older. But yeah, what I did was I went back and I changed, I changed the roots because the way I look at it is if you're trying to change the picture now, if you're here and you're like, I want to make my life so much better and you're, you're at this level, then you're looking up and it's like a mountain you've got to climb. If you can go back and think, she's all right, or my little lad's okay, you know, whatever it is, whoever you are, and you can just give yourself a kind of hug in a metaphorical sense and say, hey, I've got you. You know, I, I realized when I kept doing this that I had become the adult that I needed as a child. And I had me. I could do this. And what I noticed through starting to see that, that I kept reassuring and, and rewriting those stories, was that my whole self-esteem and value in the, in the current moment changed. And it wasn't then that I suddenly needed all that stuff to make me feel good. You know, I suddenly didn't need things that I had needed before, even down to going on holiday and needing to get brown to prove you've been away. You know, I stopped needing to do things like that. And I just found that I kind of got that I was, I was a good egg. I'm like a good human being. Um, I don't get it right all the time. I do make mistakes. That's my humanness. And from that basis, then you can begin to build something because only when you feel you have a sense of value in the world, do you ever feel you've got anything to offer anyway. And I often ask people to take their thumbprint and stick it on an ink pad and put it on a piece of paper and just look at the magnificence and the perfection of their thumbprint. Nobody looks at it and goes, oh my God, those lines are too close together. They shouldn't be like that. It's a bit too swirly here. It's a literal perfect creation. And so are we. And we just got slightly dodgy coding along the way. We got some experiences and our limited brain capacity made them mean something they didn't mean. And then it gets a bit squiffy. So if you can go back and put that basic foundation right, from there you can build. And then it comes back to what I, what I do is I repeat, repeat. I constantly put myself into a gratitude space. That's what the gratitudes are about. If I get in a funk with somebody, I'll often go to my office because, you know, I'm human. I get into funks and I'll write out 10 things I'm grateful for. It's amazing how it lifts you out of it. And I keep focused on where, where I'm going and who I want to serve because then it's not about me. 
you know, who I want. I want to help the whole world see this. So I've got a big job. My sleeves are firmly rolled up and a long working day ahead of me. But I'm excited because every time somebody can get set free from the stories they write and the past that's haunted them, or they perform better and can see a wider picture, the world gets to be a better place. Wow. Thank you, Polly. That is just, again, like really clear and super practical, which we love because I think sometimes this conversation like we can all get a bit lost in it and it's just like those like small tricks that we can all participate in so um if we kind of all let's say together set each other a challenge of doing that and um and please feedback to Polly or I or like how it's going because actually that could be a really fun thing for this entire community who listens to this to like really start doing together and 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 let's to kind of like note the changes that we see happen. That'd be really fun. The world is, I would say, in this quite uh, bizarre place. Um, It's been incredibly challenging for a lot of people. How are you encouraging people to maybe like understand what's going on right now that kind of prevents it from feeling too overwhelming um, and too uncertain? There's a lot of press in all directions that people could buy into right now. And I am a real fan of buying into what I can see, what I can validate, what I can see. You know, there's a lot of theories about what's going on. There's a lot of fear about what's going on. But when people buy into fear mindsets and they get really excited uh, in a negative way about what's happening, you're buying into something that hasn't happened yet. You're buying into something that could happen, but hasn't happened. And you know, my father has, um, well, my, my, my stepfather, should I say, has cancer. And we have shipped him off to, uh, to being very much in a self-isolating position. And when I say shipped him off, we, we have, a, you know, a, fortunately, my family live in Scotland, so it's quite remote. But the point is that we have maintained that he stays there. You know, he is taking responsibility for his vulnerability in the community, rather than expecting the whole community to take responsibility for him. And, you know, he's thoroughly aware of how that works. And what I would say is, the world is a bizarre place. It's full of all sorts of different people with all sorts of different filters and all sorts of different stories. And there are lots of things out there that happen that are really not nice. And there are lots of things that happen that are really amazing. And I would just keep focusing on your environment because otherwise, if you start trying to get too out there, particularly buying into fear, you will become overwhelmed very quickly. But you can ask yourself, hang on a minute, am I okay? Have I got what I need right here, right now? And I always say, whatever your head is on your shoulders, you actually have everything you need. We have an innate intelligence in us. We have a a deep drive for survival inside all of us. And whatever you can see that you are okay, focus on that. That's the positive view. And if you're not okay, that's when you need to reach out, particularly with mental health. That's when it's okay to say, I don't think I'm okay at the moment. And talk to somebody who is okay. Or if they're not, you know, let find people who are agencies, think of the, the environment around you. And we have several environments around us. And one of them is, um, it's called the mimetic environment. And the mimetic environment is everything you consume digitally. It's the programs you watch, the podcasts you listen to. It's the websites you visit. Get super mindful about what you're doing in that environment because everything you're consuming will be impacting you. So it's like cleaning up your environments. 
and making sure that you are doing the best you can within that. So I actually feel very positive at the moment and I'm very excited about where the world is going. And I know other people feel the same as me. And then I also know of people who don't. But, you know, when I get into conversations with them, I've quickly discover that they're buying into lots of stuff that's been fed to them. So I haven't got a view on it and this isn't political. I'm just like, get really real. What's going on for you right here, right now? I love that. It's so easy to kind of get lost in things that really actually don't really concern us. I've had so many questions being sent uh, to ask you and a lot of them we've addressed. But one question I've had over and over again that people would love um, your advice on is how do you find a life coach? And at what point do you think that you should need a life coach? And what should you look for? And how do you get drawn to a life coach? So how do you find one? Do you know, it's really funny. I have people now who sometimes come to me and they say, I did a bit of research and I found you, or I heard you on, they've heard me on the podcasts and things, or they've read something uh, that I've written somewhere. And then they kind of know instantly that they want to talk to me because something I've said resonates with them. And that's my point. It's not about me. It's about the fact that start looking around if you want a life coach or you think this is a good idea. I personally, there are coaches identify in lots of different ways. So you'll get relationship coaching. You can even have agility coaching, which is, you know, much more business focused. You've got executive coaches and you've got, as you say, life. And then I identify as a mindset and performance coach because I really want to deal with that side of things. It does impact your whole life, but it also impacts your business as well. So work out which is the area that you most want the support on and then go and do some research, have a look around and you'll start to notice that one particular person will really resonate with you. And it's super important that when you reach out to them that you have a conversation first. And in the conversation, see if they can get what it is about you that you want to deal with because a good coach will be able to hear what it is. They'll hear your pain point. They'll know what you want to address and they'll be able to really sit with you on it for a moment and say, you know, okay, what's that like for you? And, and really understand the impact of something you want to change or want to up level. Um, and that's a, a great way to really recognize whether you've got a good fit in a life coach because the number one human desire is to feel seen and heard. And if that coach can see and hear you, then that's going to be a good fit, I would suggest. How do people, um, how do we find you? How do we send you our feedback on, on your gratitude challenge? How do we kind of access the Polly Bateman? So I think that there will be, um, when this podcast goes out, they can comment there. The other thing, of course, is on um, at the Polly Bateman on Instagram. There's always places there people can direct message me. They can on there and they can also put anything on any of my posts. There's a daily post going out Monday to Saturday from me anyway. So anything on there, we will incorporate this podcast. You can also get hold of me by writing to me at info at the polybateman.com. You know, if you're dealing with anything that will be picked up by me and my team and we'll We'll get back to you for sure. So yeah, there's uh, but at the Polly Bateman pretty much is the is the social media handle across all platforms. So you can pretty you can get me on any of them there, any of the main ones, should I say? I'm I'm not so cool and I'm on them all. <laughs> Holly, you're just such a star. Thank you so much. This has been the most insightful, um, interesting, so much to take on board and so much to be inspired by. So thank you so much for your time. You're welcome. It's really great to see you again. (laughs) 
That's it for today. Thank you for listening. Of course, it would be amazing and very appreciated if you wouldn't mind hitting subscribe and sharing this podcast. You can find me at Poppy Jamie on Instagram. DM me questions or any guest suggestions. I'd love to hear from you. And also, if you have a moment, download Happy Not Perfect. It's my mindfulness app that helps you manage stress, anxiety, sleep, and ultimately makes you feel happier every single day in less than five minutes. See you next time. Sending you lots of love and energy. Till then. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan, crusted chicken, or garlic, butter, shrimp, scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com.